Sego, if you like what we're doing here, if you support the show and you want to give support to the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash let's talk native. And if you do so, we'll provide you some exclusive content and some things that uh, others aren't going to get when you get it. So support us by going to Patreon. Yahweh. Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Diego, and thanks for joining me. Today I'm going to talk about race. No, I'm going to talk about racism. There seems to be a lot of confusion, and I think it's really important that we have to revisit this concept from time to time. Many people are confused about what racism really means. Um, they're, you know, the general definition of racism is oftentimes uh, you know, tied to discrimination or prejudice um, or some sort, of, some sort of antagonism that is directed against somebody of a different race. Um, and is based on the belief that one's own race is superior to that of another. And that last part is important because racism is about power. And it's about the superiority, inferior, inferiority uh, dynamic, I guess. And so, and, and I think, to, you know, to, to kind of put a fine point to it, to be prejudiced or to discriminate is something that is more broad. Uh, anybody could be prejudiced. And, and to be prejudiced means that you prejudge somebody by whatever standard that might be. You know, whether it's just somebody being a stranger, whether it could be the environmental conditions, is it dark, is it, uh, you know, is it cold? Um, or, you know, or you could judge somebody by the color of their skin. But that in of itself is still not racism. It doesn't cross that line into racism until you introduce this concept that you believe that you are superior to somebody based on and, and express that prejudice based on that sense of superiority. So it's about power. It's about viewing yourself above others. And where racism comes into it is, is that it's not just a prejudgment. It is, it, it is something that, that sticks and it sticks because if that part of that prejudgment, that prejudice is based on something as superficial as skin color, that skin color never changes. So even if you make an exception to that person uh, who you come to know and you can somehow, you know, allay some of your concerns or those prejudices based on skin color, it doesn't mean the next person of that of, of a different skin color that you don't have that same sense of uh, 
not just prejudice, but uh, superiority, infer- inferiority uh, dynamic coming into play. So, and, and, so words like prejudice, the idea that, that we prejudge a situation in of itself is not a terrible thing. It's, it's when we maintain that view and maintain that belief of superiority or, you know, antagonism, if you will, in spite of more information being provided. Same thing, same thing with discrimination. Uh, in many ways, the word discriminate, I mean, when people describe somebody as having a discriminating taste, it means that they can see the difference. They can, they can, assess, they can sense the difference. They can, they can determine a difference, whether it's in the way something tastes or the way something smells or, the, or, or whatever. So the idea of discriminating, which means to distinguish, is one thing. But when, you, when discrimination becomes an antagonism or a sense of superiority based on this belief in race, and let me be clear, racism, race is not real. You know, race is is basically um, a uh, a colonial construct. It, it was it was this belief um, from Europeans that they could separate people by essentially by skin color um, and make determinations about people just based on that skin color or that perception of race. Most of the the anthropological theories associated with race have been disproven. And yet, we still see forms that, are, that will ask for somebody to list their race. We still see news cycles and, and determinations and, and this blending of this difference between uh, ethnicity and race being brought up all the time. And part of the reason is because although race may not be a real concept or, or based on anything f- factual, racism is real because it is only a belief. Racism, this, uh, this belief that you are superior to somebody based on your perceived or your perception of race, is a very real thing because it's a, it's a behavior. And behaviors are become uh, part of the society. And as I said, much of the concept of race was born out of the colonialism and the imperialism uh, periods, uh, mostly... Uh, perpetrated by by Europe and later the United States. So this idea of uh, asserting yourself as a superior race enabled you to justify things like slavery, like genocide, like dispossession of lands, the, the idea of conquering people simply because they weren't you. Not because you're trying to necessarily convince them to join you, but because you perceive them as, as a different people and a people that need to, um, and, and in fact, because this gets tied also into, into religions, this idea that if somebody wasn't a Christian, they were, pre- they were perceived as the enemies of Christ. And uh, the popes referred to the tyranny of paganism. So just the idea that somebody who doesn't believe what you believe and you can see a, a discernible difference in, in things like skin color, that made it possible for, to, to justify behavior and oftentimes you know, very, very um, uh, aggressive behavior towards, uh, towards the people. So this is kind of where racism, where its foundation is. Now, when we talk about racism being structural or systemic, part of it is because much came out of that colonial period, especially in the United States and, and, and of course, in, in Western Europe. Much comes out of that. 
And so many of the systems that exist today, including the governing systems, things like property ownership, um, civil rights, many of these things were were significantly um, affected by this this perception of race. A black man didn't couldn't vote. A native person, you know, was enslaved. A black person was enslaved. White people weren't enslaved. Not in the United States, not in Europe. Look, there was indentured, indentured servitude, and there was, uh, there, there may have been forced labor upon you know, people who were criminalized. But in terms of looking at somebody and, and judging them and this perception of race, and then be, uh, treating a people a certain way because of that, that is where racism became systemic. And many of those systems, although there's been attempts over the, over the years to, to fix some of the societal problems, they, be, they had become so much a part of the system, just eliminating rate, uh, slavery didn't make uh, black people equal. They wouldn't be able to vote in elections. And in fact, there's still a lot of voter suppression that takes place in, in black communities. Just because Native people... Um, were declared citizens in 1924 didn't mean that the, the persecution of Native people didn't continue. Residential schools, the idea of assimilation, forced assimilation, residential schools, these things would continue until the, until, until the 70s, 1970s in the United States and the 1990s in Canada. So the idea of trying to legislate behavior um, and changing of behavior, especially behavior that uh, that is bound to such atrocities like the idea of, of, of taking somebody's freedom away, or taking somebody's land away, taking somebody's children away. These, these systems are hard to change uh, in short periods of time. And you, and you certainly, you can't just legislate behavior. I mean, you can criminalize behavior, but it doesn't mean that the behavior changes. If that were the case, then, then there'd be no crime in, 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 uh, in you know, civilized societies. And, and that's simply not the case. Now, the other thing I'll say about this idea of discerning and, and, and separating people, if you look at how race is, um, is broken out, there's basically white people and non-white people. White people are not broken up into, in, into categories. Not so much. I mean, there's a certain amount that might be related to religion or, and that kind of stuff. But, but people of color, non-whites, if you look at, at any... You know, a graphic put up on CNN. What did CNN do? They, they put up white, black, Hispanic, which isn't really a race. I don't talk about that. Um, Asian, and then something else. And by something else, they were including Native people. And I don't know who else they were including in that. But, but the idea that people of color will be broken out into, into these uh, distinct groups, if they're even that distinct. Um, while white people are not. And the crazy thing about, about some of that is while Italian immigrants were persecuted, they eventually found a way to get lumped into, into uh, although they weren't necessarily, they were darker skinned, they would be uh, considered white people. Even uh, Irish people who were persecuted uh, as immigrants in the United States and Canada, were, uh, they would earn that that categorizing of themselves as white people jewish people very persecuted people but jewish people have have now um kind of get lumped in with this this notion of white people but 
you still have, again, <laughs> black people, um, Hispanics, which means brown people, basically, brown people of, uh, who basically have been indoctrinated into Spanish-speaking peoples, um, Asians, and then Native Americans. Or sometimes they'll, they'll throw in, you know, uh, Hawaiian natives or Alaskan natives in there. But you know, those, are, those are basically the, the categories of race as, as distinguished and broken out in the United States. So, so what does that mean? And, and, and when, you, when you break that out, well, let, let's be clear. 60% based on those, those, those categorizes, those categories, 60% of the United States, I think it's closer to 62 or 63% of the United States is considered white, which means everybody else added up together, you know, are, are still coming in at below 40%. I think black people are coming in around 13%. And again, even though Hispanic includes sometimes white people, black people, um, and, and brown people, indigenous people, they can be, you know, listed as high as 16 or 17%, I, I, at least the last numbers I saw. Then you get into, you know, Asian populations, and they might break some of that out into, you know, um, different parts of Asia. But pretty much they just lump it all together, and, and it come, comes in at b below 10%. Native people, we come in at about 1% of the U.S. population. Native people living on, on as, as Native people on our Native lands, we come in right around a half of 1%. So the population of people who were 100% of the population of this continent have been reduced to less than, than 1%, closer to one half of 1% of the population. That didn't happen naturally. That didn't happen because of disease. It didn't happen because of um, some sort of plague. It happened deliberately. It, it was depopulation. There was, it was such an effort to, to rid this continent of, of its original inhabitants. I mean, it was a, 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 Al Frank Baum called for it, and he called it extermination, annihilation. The introduction of residential schools was this idea that... that, that Native people needed, either needed to be civilized within the American concept of civilization or exterminated. I mean, that, the, the Interior Department, the, the, the Secretary of the Interior made that, those statements. Politicians, you know, from, from George Washington all the way up through, uh, you know, through, through the Roosevelt's were saying these very, very things. That native people either needed to join the um, humanity, meaning that without making the specific effort to be to be human beings within the the white construct of that that belief, that we needed to either be join humanity or we needed to be destroyed. These are the kinds of things that that were, were said throughout American history. But let me get back again to talking about race and racism. You know, because when we talk about systemic racism, a lot of times people, people say, well, I'm not a racist. Here's the reality. In the overall scheme of things, most people, it, it, would, be, it would be hard to, um, to definitively label somebody as a racist. I'm not saying some people haven't earned that right, <laughs> earned that title. They have. Most people, or let's put it this way, very few people could be accurately and definitively defined 
as, uh, as racist. However, <laughs> many, many people can behave in, in a racist way. They can speak in a racist way. They can think in a racist way. Does that make them a racist? Well, I won't, I won't even make that judgment. I will call out a racist behavior. And when I do, I often get accused of calling somebody a racist. If I say that using a native person for a mascot, by, if a non-native school, if a, a school of white kids call themselves Indians, if I say that's a racist behavior, this is, oh, yeah, there you go, calling us racist. See, that, there's, a, there's a, dif a difference there. Now, anybody, and I mean anybody, can have racial bias. And that means, that, again, getting back to this idea of discrimination or, or prejudice, anybody can see somebody who's different than them and, and have a bias. They can even have anger or hate, but that's still not the same thing as racism. Racism it requires that power dynamic, this idea that you not only can distinguish somebody's different than you, but you believe that you are better than them, that they are beneath you, that you are superior, that you are a, a, a better, superior race than, than that perception. So when I hear people say, well, black people can be racist, well, no, they really can't. I mean, but black people can support racism. Uh, who's the, uh, um, ben Carson comes to mind. Yeah, you know, Herschel Walker comes to mind. Yeah, you can see black people who support this idea of white racial superiority, but they aren't advancing themselves as the superior race. So they may be supporting racism, but they aren't being racist themselves. Now, and if, look, if you're a black person and you just categor categorically hate white people because, of, because they're white, that's still not racism. I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not, I'm not agreeing with, with, with holding that level of, of anger or hate or antagonism. But there's a lot of historic reasons for black people to, to distrust, dislike, or, or outright hate white people. I mean, they, they were enslaved. They were bought and sold. Their children were taken from them, bought and sold, for, you know, for over 100 years by the United States. It was legal. They have experienced racism at levels that most people could not even contemplate. Same with Native people. Look, I was always raised, never trust a white man. Now, is that a racist thing? Well, the idea of trusting a white person is not the same thing as saying, well, I'm better than them. See the difference? So when we talk about racism, we can also oftentimes get into a conversation about White privilege, for instance. And white privilege is the idea that because racism um, became ingrained as a part of the American culture, if there is such a thing, um, that there's been, been benefits to, to being white. And, you know, and there, there's really simple ways to, 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 you know, to, uh, to explain that or to give examples of it. And, you know, among them is uh, uh, the simple test that has been done many times over that uh, where, where people put in a job application, see exact same resume, just with either a name that perhaps maybe it's got a Hispanic sound, sound to it or, or, or a black sounding name and the amount of callbacks that come back. If you have a very white sounding name, same information on a resume, 
uh, versus a black sounding name, 50% fewer callbacks on the, on the black sounding names. I mean, and that's, so that's, you know, the clear example of racism that exists in the workplace. But we see it other, other places, you know, traffic stops, arrests, prison, uh, not just prison time, a, a, a black man and a white man charged for the same crime. A black man is going to get, on average, over 10% more time for the same crime as a white man. And if you look in the prison populations, the prison populations are disproportionately people of color. And this is true in both the United States and Canada, by the way, just in case you're wondering. We, we went through this on the last show a little bit. And look, and I know that I've talked about this on my show before, but the work that I've been doing on the mascot issue always brings out the level of ignorance uh, associated with, with the concept of racism. And that's why I think we have to revisit this from time to time. It, this actually should be taught in schools. I mean, the, the, what, what racism really is and, and the difference between prejudice, discrimination, and racism. They should be, it, it should be taught. And the fact that it isn't is kind of racist. <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because anytime I call somebody out for racist behavior, I get, I, I'm invariably going to be called a racist for doing it. If I say that you know, using white people using native people for, for mascots is, is racist, Somebody's well, that's a racist thing to say. In fact, I've had conversations where I, where I, when I've used expressions like white people or white folks, people say, oh, that's racist to call me a white person. How is calling somebody who clearly is white? And, and again, you can look at the state data. You, 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 I, looked, I looked at the breakdown. The school that I'm, uh, that I'm having part of the discussion with over right now is the school that I went to. Cambridge Central School, um, out on the eastern part of New York State, uh, not far from Saratoga, not far from the Vermont border. And their population, their, their school population, is 99.2% non-native. 93% white. By, you know, and this is according to, to, to the state's um, database. Native people in Cambridge, New York, uh, or, or at, at Cambridge Central School represent uh, 0.8%, less than 1% of the, of the student population. And yet, Cambridge, uh, they, they call themselves the Cambridge Indians. And, you know, without even getting into, you know, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about, you know, their mascot or, uh, or the, the name that they call themselves. But, but just to give you an idea how, how this thing breaks down, in many places, and especially in, in some of the more rural areas, and, and in places that, that where people become so obsessed with this idea of native mascots, oftentimes you're going to see a population that is upwards of 90% white. Very little diversity. In, and, and, and again, in, in, in Cambridge, New York, 0.8% native population in that school. 99.2% uh, non-native. And and it come and the percentages of of, of black and uh, Asian Hispanic is still pretty low. Again, ninety three percent percent white. So when you get the pushback from the 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 broad population from from a little town, a, a predominantly white town like that, the the first thing they they do is they reject this notion, this idea of racism. 
they, they reject that out of hand. And they say, oh, no, I'm not racist. It's not racist. It's wrong to call something racist. Well, it isn't wrong to, to call out racism. In fact, it, it should be a duty and obligation for most people to call it out. And the response to, to oftentimes this being called out is, is to say that that is racist. I mean, again, I've never suggested that I'm superior I've never suggested that I'm genetically, racially, or any other way superior to the folks living in, the, in Cambridge, New York, or any place else. I have certain skill sets that I've developed, um, and I think there are some things that I, that I do well, but none of those things is because, because I'm somehow genetically or racially uh, superior to anybody. And it's the same thing with any, any, you know, anything that you view, any, you know, a sport, um, a, a profession. Even if you can see that there's a, a higher instance, you know, again, we, we, stereotypes, we, we talk about stereotypes all the time. Stereotypes can be very racist because they generalize what a population is and, and, and what they should be defined as. And so one of the, the uh, simple stereotypes that people say, well, black people are good, good athletes. Well, that's not true. Now, there may be very good black athletes, but it doesn't mean that all black people are, are, are somehow predisposed genetically or racially to be athlete, athletes. They aren't. Oftentimes, it, it, it's something that they are drawn to as, as children or perhaps even you know, intergenerationally to be athletic and, and to participate in sports. And so that's, that's how that skill set develops. But it's not in their DNA. There are certain things that, that might be in the DNA, like height <laughs> you know, or, or body build or certain body types and that kind of stuff. Um, but that's not racially, that's, that's genetically, that's because of what your parents gave you, not what your quote unquote race gave you. So this is part of the confusion. And, and, and I experience this all the time with people who don't know what racism is. So I'm going to be clear here in the United States, only white people can be racist. Now I, I know that sounds tough. Now, that's not to say that we can't all be racially biased and that we can't harbor um, prejudice, discrimination, or even racial bias. But because white people are 62% of the, or 63% of the population, and all of the, the, even the discussion and the definition of race has been developed by European Western European society and uh, ultimately American society. That's where race and racism has, it, has its birthplace. So when you look at where the power of the United States rests and, and what by power, I mean, wealth, you know, I mean, you know, governmental control, I mean, positions of influence, uh, uh, property owners, you know, CEOs of corporations, all that stuff. It, white people, even at 62, 62 to 63% of the, of the population, have an even higher, um, a disproportionate amount of wealth and control and, and power over, it's not uh, um, broken out evenly across those percentages of, of racial distinction. So, and I will also say that even the notion of, of, of a pure democracy can be, can support racism. 
Especially when you consider there may be a disproportionate amount of one race in the United States, um, for instance, at 62 or 63 percent. And that and that and that can that can support racism and racist policies. And that's why the United States was not set up, supposedly. That's why it was, it was supposed to not be set up as a democracy, but rather as a republic, a constitutional republic, one that recognized inherent rights. And by inherent rights, I mean rights that, um, that were natural. So it, it, it's the foundation of the U.S. Constitution is supposed to be natural law. The idea that we're born a certain, with, with, with inalienable rights, rights that can't be separated, can't be pulled away from you from man. Doesn't always work out that way. Hey, look, we're at the bottom of the hour, so um, I, I'm not done yet. Here, we're going to talk more about this, but uh, let me take a brief break, and uh, and we'll come back and and I'm going to talk a little bit more about examples of racism, um, some of the unique racism, specifically that Native people experience, um, and we'll get into that a little bit more. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. All right, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. And we are talking about racism. And I know I've talked about this before, but invariably I am confronted by a complete lack of understanding about what racism really means. And again, I talked in uh, the first half of the program, talk about the difference between prejudice, discrimination, racial bias, and racism. Racism is systemic. It's structural, and it, and it is tied to power. Now, I, just before the break, I, I was talking about how democracy can actually um, promote racism because it would give a disproportionate amount of power to the racial group <laughs> or the group that is, you know, has a perceived of, of, perception of, of a single race um, that of the largest population. So in the United States, with 62 or 63% of the population being white, white people would have a disproportionate amount of power, even just by, by pure numbers. But it all isn't always re related to, to majority. I mean, you, you talk about places like, um, you know, Africa, you know, um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the situation where white people as a very small, you know, percentage of the population had control over all of all of Africa, South Africa in particular, and the the rules and the laws they had to put in place that would protect that. That's again systemic racism, and and even when those laws get overturned, some of those systems stay in place. You know, I'll give you another example: Brazil. Brazil still has a disproportionate amount of white people in their parliament compared to brown or black people in Brazil, which re represent a significant um, percentage of the population. Now, why is that? Well, I'll tell you one of the things is that, that people who have been victimized by racism, we too can buy into this sense, not that, that we're superior, but, but just the opposite, that we, that we are inferior. inferior. We, we develop these inferiority complexes. You know, I, I, I oftentimes cite the, the doll test. And if you don't know what the doll test is, I, I, I hope that people would look it up. 
Look up online. Go to YouTube, and you'll see there might be three or four different videos that, that lay out what the doll test is. And what the doll test is was this experiment where they took children, black children, white children, you know, um, mixed people of different ethnicities, race, you know, perceived races, or certain, certainly skin color. And they were asked to evaluate, you know, and we're talking about small children, sometimes, you know, four, five years old, six years old, asking them, what is the pretty doll? So when you ask a little white girl, you know, what's the prettiest, a, a, a black doll and a, and a white doll, what's prettier? You know, a lot of people would assume that, that, the, that the white child will say, the white, the white doll is prettier. And then, of course, you ask a series of other questions like, which one looks more like you? Which is the good doll? And what you would see with these white children, boy or girl, they would always, you know, um, and I'm talking about white, white kids here, they would, they would say the good doll was the white doll. The, the pretty doll was the white doll. The, the one that looks more like them is, uh, is the white doll. But when you ask black children the same question, the percentage of black kids that would still say the white doll was prettier or the white doll was the good doll was dramatic. I mean, these children knew which doll looked like them. They would get, they would say, yeah, the black doll looks more like me. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see a, a young black child who hasn't had all of the societal influences you would think yet, but already at four five, six years old, are already perceiving that when side by side, a, a black doll and a white doll are put side by side, the black doll is ugly. The white doll is pretty. The black doll is bad. The white doll is good. See, this is, is how we, we get conditioned to believe that we are somehow inferior. And, and look, we, we see this, you know, when we talk about police violence. Yeah, sometimes there's black cops that are, that are, that are, killing you know uh black people suspects you know this death by cop thing it's not always white cops in fact in many of these circumstances there's a cop of uh, who was a person of color involved whether it's george floyd's uh murder whether it was um uh, uh eric garner whether you know no matter what situation you would oftentimes see that yeah there were black cops involved a lot of these, the, this, this violent response to, uh, to Black Lives Matter protests, they're black cops knocking the crap out of people too because they've been conditioned. Look, if at four or five years old, you've already got this preconception that the black doll is the bad one, without, without any, look, these, do, these dolls are not, are not speaking dolls. They're not wedding dolls. They're not doing any of these things that you could judge. There's no behavior associated with it. These are just inanimate objects, basically. And the perception is that the, that the, the white one is the good one. And if you were to put a, a, a black office, officer in, uh, in, in a situation, they, as an officer, might feel more threatened by, by a, a crowd of black men than, than a crowd of white men. Because that's what they've been conditioned to do. Now, I'm taking it as a native person. One of the things that I talk about on the show a lot is, is the fact that we feel like we've got to have white people um, speak for us. 
we, we not only have to have the white lawyer, we have to have the white lobbyist, we have to have the white consultant, we have to have white people write, you know, write our speeches for us. Because we don't have, we, we don't even view ourselves as experts on, our, on who we are. The perception is that, that a white person has to tell us how to, uh, you know, how to govern. A white person has to tell us how, how to develop policy. A white person has to tell, why? Because they, we view them as superior to us. Now, why would we have that? Why would we have that perception? Condition. It's the way that we are conditioned. And we are conditioned because that's what society has done. It, I mean, look, if you, if you go through not just the early parts of Hollywood, but today, who are the heroes? I'm Avatar. It's the white guy who has to be the hero to save, to, you know, to save the blue people. Uh, Kevin Costner, Dancing with Wolves. It's the, it's the white hero. I mean, so Hollywood has been doing this for forever. Not just John Wayne or Errol Flynn or, or, or you know, you know any of any of these people. You know, throughout, throughout the history of Hollywood, it, 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 there's always this perception that white is right. And look, the way uh, people of color have been portrayed, oftentimes we've been portrayed as ignorant, as savage, as uncivilized. I mean, think, think about the words that are used, I mean, uh, to describe Native people, tribes. I talk about this on the program all the time. If you listen to how television pundits, how news people use the word tribe and tribalism or tribal, it's always derogatory. All oh, the tribal regions of Afghanistan, they aren't talking about sophisticated areas. When they talk about politicians having gone tribal, it means that they that they somehow have regressed into this into their tribe. It, it's never meant. It's never said as a compliment, and yet we're supposed to accept being called tribes. I mean, and we and and we bring those words in. Uh, Akwasasni, the band council up there, the tribal council up there, tribal council again, it's the St. Regis Mohawk tribe. Tribe. Why would we even embrace those words when we know how it's used? And so the suggestion is, oh, we don't mean it in a negative thing when we're talking about Native people. Well, how could that be? How could that word, tribe, tribalism, and, and tribal, how could it be negative any place else it's used in the world, in any other context, politically, socially, culturally? How is it always a negative or a primitive or an unsophisticated, uncivilized um, uh, adjective? But it's not that when it's, when it, when it's uh, tagged to us. And, and why do we accept it? Why do we accept being mislabeled? The word Indians comes to mind. Look, we're, we're pushing back on it now. But for years, the Seneca Nation of Indians. The, you know, the, when I think about all of many of the native territories out West that, that because somebody labeled them, not them themselves, because others labeled them, the, the, the Sioux, for instance, no, it's not the Sioux, it's the Lakota, but they were called Sioux and the word Indians gets, gets put into their, into their name, but we don't push back on it. Why? Because white people did it. And so we, we accept, we accept that authority and we accept that, that certain level of I don't know. Um, their discrimination affects how we even view ourselves. It goes back to the doll test. 
I mean, this this is. I mean, and so and again, look how children are raised. Look at where the what the pretty dolls are. Look at who even the cartoon characters. Look at the superheroes, the Marvel superheroes. Well, they got one black guy, maybe two. <laughs> so I mean, this is this is what we you know what we were raised with. Uh, this idea of, of of what is what is proper language, how to sound. Uh, look, I, I, one of the things that people say, geez, you're pretty articulate. You know what that means? It means I don't sound like an ignorant native person. Of course I'm articulate. Why wouldn't I be? I'm more ashamed of the fact that I can't speak Mohawk. And yet I'm so proficient in English. Man, I, I look at some of the stuff that gets posted online. And it's amazing to me. Even as you're talking about people who graduated from a school and their inability to, to use grammar properly. And, and, the certain part of me that says, why, why am I, as a native person, so much better at, at, at English grammar than, than white people? And, and I don't mean all white people, but I mean many of the ones that I've engaged with, especially on these debates over things like mascots. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, and, and sometimes I've got to say, all right, it's your language. If that's the way you want to say it, then that's, that's the way you, that you feel free to do it. But we, we get into these debates, and, and again, I have been called racist many times in my life for pointing out racism. And, and I'm not just, look, it isn't that I get called a racist for calling somebody a racist. I'm referring to racist behavior. And so when I talk about things like the mascot issue, there's no question that there's a privilege that comes with white people who say, you know what? I'm going to call myself an Indian. And you do it at a period of time where native people weren't even allowed to call themselves that. In fact, there was policy, you know, a hundred years of policy to eliminate that distinction for native people to be native people. Residential schools, kill the Indian, save the man. But white people had the privilege of saying, I'm going to call my school name the Redskins. And then, then when you have a debate about it, and you say, you know, that's improper. They say, well, that, no, I'm doing to honor you. No, no you're not. And, and it's, well, we, we don't mean any ill intent by it. Well, it doesn't matter what your intent is. And what your intent is and how I'm receiving that are not, are not necessarily the same thing. Look, by that definition, somebody could call themselves the N-word. I mean, you could, call, you could use any derogatory um, slur and just say, yeah, but we don't mean it in a bad way. Well, that doesn't matter. You're still never going to call yourself the, you know, uh, the N-word or, the, or, the, or, or any kind of derogatory word for, for Jewish people or for uh, you know, Hispanic people or for, uh, you know, people from different parts of Asia or, or Africa, South America. No, you would never do that. You wouldn't even do it for white people. You won't call yourself Caucasians or Aryans or whitey. I mean, back when there was a battle over the um, uh, University of North Dakota calling themselves the Fighting Sioux, a bunch of uh, Native people there said, uh, they said, oh, we're going to call ourselves the Fighting Whiteys then. <laughs> and that, they made T-shirts, and they were popular as hell all over Amazon, the Fighting Whiteys. And people said, well, that was, that's wrong. It's, it's meant to be sarcastic. You know, it, it, the whole idea is to show, it's, it's satire. 
It's to show what's wrong with it. I've got shirts that are called uh, Caucasians. I'm not really promoting and I'm not honoring Caucasians with my T-shirt. I'm poking fun at them. Why? Because that's what you did with your shirts. Let's say Indians or say Redskins or say Warriors or say Braves. You aren't Braves. You aren't Warriors. You aren't Indians. You aren't Mohawks or or Sioux or, or any of those things. And where the white privilege comes in associated with, with, with that kind of behavior. And, and I, I mentioned earlier that there's a, some unique aspects of racism that Native people experience. This is one of them. No other people, no other people are used for this purpose, for, for amusement and entertainment. I'm not saying they never were, <laughs> because they were. <laughs> Uh, you know, used to see Arabs being used, and, you know, different, you know, there are there different people that were used um, as mascots, but, but they're all gone. What still exists? There's almost 2,000 schools across the United States that still have native, native people being used by non-native people for mascots. And keep in mind, none of those schools educate about native people. Cambridge, for instance, they don't even know what Indians, they, they're claiming to be. They don't teach about who the native people were, were that were there before them or where they went. Just like most schools, they teach native history as a period that it just came and went, gone. Oh yeah, they were longhouse people. No conversation about what happened after our longhouses were, uh, were destroyed. No conversation about where we were post-Civil War, World War I, World War II, where we were during the residential school era, where we were during the civil rights battles, what we experienced with every president of the United States from George Washington to Donald Trump. No, no conversation about what Native people experienced, where we are in our battle over environmental concerns, over you know, stopping pipelines and, uh, and you know, uh, of land incursions and that kind of thing. No, no, no conversations about any of that stuff. Just treated as a period of time that came and went. And that's what the mascots do. They, they're not, they're not going to have, you know, a, a modern native person on a, uh, you know, on a football helmet. They're not even going to have somebody who's not so modern. They're not even going to, they're not going to have Jim Thorpe on there. Billy Mills. No, they're going to have a, an 18th century illustration Ge- generic illustration, usually Plains Indian headdress, but maybe they'll have, you know, because they're trying to be more politically correct, they'll, they'll have a, a woodland Indian uh, logo for, 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 and that'll be the same logo for native, uh, or for schools using a native mascot from Florida all the way up to Maine, all up and down the East Coast. I mean, no, I mean, just the, the most generic types of uh, illustrations, but they're always going to be from the past. Why? Because they aren't honoring us. They're, they're trying to cr- grab something from history that they can claim and then try to claim some of the characteristics that they now will associate with native people of the past. Al Frank Baum said it. He said, look, uh, you know, better, we should annihilate these native people. They're, they're just... Their manhood has been effaced. They've been, you know, their spirit is broken. Better that they die than live the miserable wretches that they are. That people will speak in later ages of the grand kings of the forest of the plain. 
and forget these despicable beings of the past, of, of, of the present, I should say. So that's what is at play here. Trust me, nobody in Cambridge, you know, who was a who's in favor of that mascot wants to hear from me. They're not going to honor me. They want the native person who's going to say, oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, call yourselves, uh, you know, native people, Indians or Redskins. Yeah, that's fine. I, I feel honored. They want to hear those guys say that stuff. They don't really want to respect or honor what the opinions or the thoughts are of native people who live as native people who have cultural connections. See, this is some of the unique racism that, that Native people experience. Now, the other thing that's, that's different about being Native is many of us are not just fighting for civil rights. We are fighting for that distinction and that autonomy. We are still trying to maintain who we are. The word indigenous comes to mind. And, and I use the word, but I oftentimes got to like explain it. Because internationally, that word, so even when we talk about the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, the problem is the way it's defined, the word indigenous oftentimes is referring to people who are the descendants of the people prior to, to colonization. The people who, who were basically inundated by Europeans. That we are merely descendants. I don't accept that. I'm not a descendant of a Mohawk or a Gunyagahaga. I am Gunyagahaga. I'm not a descendant of Ungwe Ungwe. I am Ungwe Ungwe. So this idea that we can use words like indigenous that suggest that we were something, but we're not anymore. No, I, I reject that. So if I use the word, I've got to explain it. And, you know, and, that, and that goes with a lot of non-native words. So I'm going to use a word like sovereignty. I don't mean some sort of bestowed power by God. or And it's not even about bestowing power. When I use the word sovereignty, I'm saying, no, we have the right to carry ourselves. Not the right to, to rule over other people or rule over land. I, I find this very problematic. And I see native people do it too. We talk about our land as it being our possession and that we govern we govern the land i i still have problems with some of that stuff that's that's a very european view on things so we get um affected by that language and and the unique racism that that not only that we've experienced historically but that we still experience today Stereotypes are, are racist. They, they, they create a narrative that is meant to define us generally. And, and look, just the idea that words like Indian exist, which is this, this notion that we are all somehow the same. As a Native person, I understand the distinction between me and as, as a as a Mohawk, as a Haudenosaunee, the difference between me and Anishinaabe, you know, or or Cherokee, or uh, Algonquin, or uh, you know, or Lakota, or uh, Dene, or or any of these other people, I understand. I feel a kinship, and and I realize that that we shared in the occupation of this land before white people showed up. But we're not all the same. And I don't mean, I mean that we, I'm not saying, so this isn't about equality. 
But there's distinction. So the idea of a word that's somehow going to lump us all together, that's problematic. And especially when, it, when, when white people develop that concept, because then they can just say, you know, yeah, Indians, you know, they should all be annihilated, like L. Frank Baum, writer of the, author of The Wizard of Oz once said. Or you develop policy that affects every native person, regardless of the treaties that we may have had, regardless of the land holdings, regardless of the relationship that we had with, with you know, with whoever, with, you know, with the British, with the Americans, with the French, whoever. Regardless of any of that stuff, you create a policy that rips our kids away and puts them in a residential school. You, you develop racist policies that are going to ensure that we live in poverty. You're going to have you know, policies that, that are the breeding ground for missing and murdered indigenous women. Now, again, this is a walk away from the definition of racism. But see, this is where it, com where it comes down to this idea and, and, and understanding the definition of racism. Racism is about power. It's about creating systems. And what, what do these systems do? I mean, it may not seem like the, the idea of systemic racism is to keep white people in power, but that's what it does. So regardless of whether, again, we get into this conversation about intent, there is no question that slavery was racist. There's no question that, that putting a bounty on native people's uh, scalps was racist. Now, just because slavery has ended and taking our bounties uh, is an end doesn't mean that we're still not using some of that language that was associated with, with what the enslaved were called or what those who had the bounties on their heads were called. The, those words still exist, and they're part of the American vernacular. Some of the views still exist towards black people, towards native people, towards brown people, Spanish-speaking. I mean, look, you've you got a sitting, pre sitting president who talks about Mexicans being rapists and murderers. As if you can stereotype somebody's race, ethnicity, nation of origin and say, this is what all those people are. And especially when you do it in a way that suggests they are beneath you. This is what racism is. Look, it's a real easy test. If you look at all of the numbers that you associate with being good, wealthy, educated, um, successful by whatever standard, and you do the, 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 the racial breakdown, <laughs> or if you look at all the things you consider negative, prison, death by cop, broken home, teen pregnancy, dropout, high school dropout, um, substance abuse. Nobody is, you know, ha has a predisposition to criminal behavior. Nobody has a genetic or racial predisposition towards depression. Circumstance creates this. And, and frankly, it's funny, there was, there was a conversation that I, that I heard on, on public radio. It was referring to um, these kids in some of these African countries who are pulled in 
to these terrorist groups. Sometimes these are, you know, 9, 10, 12-year-old boys that, uh, that are pulled into organizations like Boko Haram and, and others. And, and so what the international community is saying is, do we really need to prosecute those children? You know, they're victims. They're victims of the circumstances that are created. They didn't grow up. They, they weren't born to be a part of a terrorist organization. But that mentality, the way that people could view that circumstance is not the same the way you're going to view a, a native child or perhaps a you know Hispanic child or, or a black child who, through no fault of their own, is, is being raised in poverty because of the policies of the United States. That's the racism. That's the systemic racism. Nobody's going to say, you know what? We can't hold those kids at 15 years old. You know, no, they want to prosecute a, you know, a person, a kid of color as an adult, regardless of what put them in that situation. When I think about what's happened with, with the heroin epidemic in the United States, once white kids and white families started being plagued by the problem of, of, of heroin use, then it became, oh, we need to treat. We need to treat and cure these people. We're gonna, addiction is a disease. It was a crime when it was people of, only people of color. It was prosecute, convict, police, drug dealers, drug users. Now it's, it, it's, it's how it changes, depending on who is affected by it according to the perceived race of a, of a people. Look, I, I hope I gave a little bit of insight here today. I, you know, this is something that we should do as a full series, not just um, you know, a show here and there. But I will continue to do this. And I, and I sometimes will break out during a program to explain, once again, define what racism is. Because there is a huge misconception. And the people who reject the definition of racism the most aren't just racist, but they're white. Thank you for listening. I'm John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.